Good morning. Good morning. Man, the glory of God is in this place this morning. I mean, uh, there's times we come in here and we feel the presence of God, but today his glory is in here in a very powerful way. And I want to just take a second to tell you this. Um, if you're in here today and you need a touch from heaven, I want you to simply do this. I want you to raise your hand in just a moment, and I want you to say, God, I believe that you're here to touch me. Don't, don't say it without expectation. But when you say it, you're going to release the glory of heaven on your life, and healing is going to take place. Peace is going to come over your life. Whatever you need is going to take place. Now, I'm saying this because I want to simplify in one way how good God is. That we don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. Nobody has to fall out on the floor. There don't have to be anybody shake you or bake you or none of those things. Simply trusting God for your miracle. Because it's already been done. How many believe that? How many believe it's already been done? If you believe it's already been done, I want you to give the Lord a shout of praise in this house this morning. Come on, give him a shout of praise. A shout of praise. Now, if you're here today and you need a miracle in your life, just slip your hand up to heaven. And just go ahead and declare over your life in your words the miracle for your life. Just do it right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the healing of my body. I thank you for the peace that I need in my life. I thank you for the joy of the Lord that's coming to me right now. I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Whatever it is that you need right now, right now. Now thank God for it. Go ahead and thank him for it. Go ahead and thank him for it. up my message but i'm feeling something crazy in this place this morning you know jesus never never uh, he never did a lot of these religious stuff that we see happen he just spoke the word and he just simply said be healed blind eyes be opened but there were times that jesus did these things he asked them to do something that was out of the ordinary to test them to see if they really had the faith to believe. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do things out of the ordinary so that we can step into the promise he's already given. I'll never forget, as long as I live, standing behind some double doors in my home church, my heart pounding out of my chest because there was this man right over here sitting over here who had this beautiful young lady on his arm somewhere back there and I walked out of the side door over here and I stood with anticipation my heart just pounding with anticipation because in a few minutes they were going to begin to play a song and Angela was going to walk through that door. Sometimes we have to stand anticipation with our heart pounding for what's coming. Had I stood behind the door and Angela walked through that door back there with her dad on her arm and I was not standing there, it would have been a bad day for everybody. There is an anticipation that has to come from us when we are expecting God to show up and bring his glory. When we come into the house of the Lord, we're not just coming to church. 
we're coming with anticipation. When we get up in the morning and we get our time for our devotion, we're coming with anticipation. When we're in the middle of our day and all of a sudden we just stop for a moment in the middle of our day and we say, okay, God, I'm anticipating you show up right now. I don't know if you hear me shout this from the front row, but I shout this when I'm not at church too. Come on, Jesus. Because there's this anticipation that I am ready. I'm not actually telling him to come because he's here. I'm telling him, God, come to me because I'm ready. He stands at the door and knocks. And I'm saying, come on in, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. So there's something happening in our hearts to say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, give the Lord another shout of praise this morning. That was so weak. Come on. That didn't sound like much anticipation right there. Come on, Jesus. We're ready. Praise God. Last week, we talked about how good God is. How many has experienced how good God is this week? How many has gone through a real difficult season, and you're going through a difficult season, but you're still experiencing how good God is? Come on, come on. I, I, I think it's good for us to give a witness today that God is so good and that he's in a good mood. Come on. I don't have to check and see if he's in a good mood. I know he's in a good mood. And I know that he wants to bless me, not just sometimes, but all the time. He's in a good mood and he's loving me. And I know that he is here right now, but I know that he's also in the middle of my storm, and he's not afraid of that storm. He's great. And, uh, and, and he wants to bless us beyond our wildest imaginations. I want some people this morning to just begin to dream about what God could do in your life and then think about multiple times by a thousand. Because whatever your dream is, he's multiplying that. Whatever your, whatever your imagination is, he's multiplying that by a thousand. And if you're having, if you're having dream, if you're having hopes or you're having uh, uh, dreams and visions and, and excitement about things that, that you can do, that's probably not all that God has for you. Because usually they're outside of our ability to, to do. If the dream is too big for you to handle, it's a good dream. Because only you and God can do it that way, right? Can I get a better Amen. So we know that he is who he says he is and that, that God is willing today to change our lives if we say, come on, God, I want you to. Today, we're going to talk about living in joyful identity. Now, we have preached over the last few years about identity, and, and I asked the Lord one time, I'll never forget, uh, Angela and I had this discussion, I was in prayer, it's like, Lord, we've preached a lot on identity, and what the Lord said, keep preaching it till they get it. So I don't know if I'm going to preach till Jesus comes. Uh, but, but I want you to get today about a joyful identity. And we're also going to talk about how we can know that we've been saved by grace. But what is our response to grace? How are we going to respond to grace? We, how we get to live. Everybody say, how I get to live. You see, this is not how I have to live. This is how I get to live. I get to live in the fullness of who he is in my life. I get to live that way. I, I'm not made to live that way. I don't have to live this way. There's nobody holding a gun to my head, and, 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 and I'm not handcuffed. I get 
to live in the goodness of God. I have the privilege of living in the hope of the Lord. I have the blessing to live in his presence. Now, I want to make sure that you understand today, I believe in hell. I believe in hell, and I believe in, you know, all of that stuff. But here's what I want you to know. I do not live for God because I'm afraid of going to hell. I live for God because I have fallen madly in love with him. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about your personality, but my personality, I could not live for God just out of fear of something. I would get bored with that pretty quick. But when I have a passion for something and I'm falling in love with something and I'm passionate about it, it motivates me to serve. I'm not talking about serve as in come to church and serve. I'm talking about to live in a place of service unto him. I desire his presence. And because he desire, I desire his presence and he desires my presence, there's union that happens out of our love for him. So we're not striving to live for God, but we're living in the goodness of God and we're living in the hope of God and we're living out of grace. So I know that I'm probably the only one in this church that deals with this, but sometimes I fail. I know none of you do that, but sometimes your pastor fails. But when I, fail, when I fall short, when I miss the mark, I know that God's love is so great that I don't have to do a do-over, but I get, to, it, I get to come back to where I am in Christ because he created me with greatness. It's not a do-over. It's a blessing. I will tell you this, though. This is what I love about the grace of God. You never fail in the sense of you never get an F. You just get to get the opportunity to come to the place where you get understanding and move forward. It's not monopoly. You don't have to go back and start over. Are you with me this morning? But I get to continue on in the goodness of God. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise for that this morning. So we know that we're saved by grace, and so it's not how I have to live, but it's how I get to live. And Jesus has won the victory. Not only did Jesus win the victory over uh, death, hell, and the grave for himself, but he's won the victory over death, hell, and the grave for us. And so we live from a place of victory. We live from a place of greatness and goodness in God. And we, and we now live in the power and the righteousness and the healing truth and in the joy of the Lord. That's what we live in. We live in his goodness every day. In Romans 8, it says this. So uh, reading from the Passion Translation. So now the case is closed. There, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined to the life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humility. God's son, I'm sorry, humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. 
Okay, let me read that again because some reason you didn't get that. <laughs> Fulfilled through the, the anointed one living his life in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but, accor- but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians tells us this. Now, if anyone is enfolded to Christ, he has become an entirely new creature. All that is related to the old order has vanished. And behold, everything is fresh and new. Everything. Listen, you can wake up to a new you tomorrow. And the good part about growing in Christ is when you wake up to the new you tomorrow, you can wake up to a newer you the next day. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. We don't get old. It doesn't get old, and it doesn't get stale, and you, it doesn't come in a day when we don't realize that God is, is birthing in us greatness every day. I'm, not, I'm on a journey, not a destination. And where I was a few years ago is not where I am now, but where I am now is not where I'm going. Because he is creating every day something new in me. So it's not just being the initial born again that's exciting, but it's the continuation of growing and understanding who I am in Christ that every day of my life I'm getting greater understanding of that. Are you with me this morning? So so good. God has made all things new. God's made all things new. I'm going to give you a real quick story right here. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I went to see my mom and dad. And uh, while I was there, um, I just randomly, I saw where a friend of mine that used to be an old roommate of mine was working at a car dealership a few months ago on, on Facebook. And, um, and so I was going to go by and see him. I did. He wasn't working. They said he worked every day. Today, he took off work. And I was like, mm. you know, it's kind of like, wow, missed him. And so that night, Angela and I had not spent much time together since I got back from California. So um, we had the advantage of having grandparents there and kids were entertained with them. So we went to the movies. After we come out of the movies, I went into the bathroom and I was walking out and I'm walking through the door of the bathroom coming out and I bumped shoulders with the guy I went to see that day. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's him. So I stood outside the door like a good stalker would. And I waited outside the door, and when he come through the door, um, I said, Robert, and he glanced at me. I saw him glance at me, but he kept walking like, I don't know who that guy is. And I said, Robert Mack, and he turned, and he looked around at me, and he said, I don't know who you are. Maybe it's the cap. Now, it's been 32 years since we've seen each other or more. And so uh, he turned around, and he looked at me, and we, he, and so finally I said, Marvin Poole, oh, my God. And, you know, everybody in the place probably thought, oh, my Lord. And he just gave me a bear hug, and we, you know, it was, it was a great reunion. And so, we, so he went to explain to his wife, this is so beautiful, who I was. Now, our life then and my life now <laughs> nothing of the same 
And so he started trying to explain our relationship, our roommate, it was roommates, and, and then all these crazy stories started. I told Robert, I said, I don't even tell people those stories anymore because they think I'm lying. They're so crazy. But he was trying to tell her that I, Marvin is now a pastor. And as he began to try to explain this to her, it was almost like you could sense the approval of you have made a life change and it's good. You see, the enemy wants to make us believe that what God is taking us to separates us from, I want you to get this, separates us from what we thought we were in all actuality, it grows us into what we're supposed to be. And then people who've known us from our past have already seen God in us, even though we were living in sin. And so when I said, I guess it's surprising for you that I'm a pastor, he says, not at all. Why? Because, see, before the worlds were, you got to get this, or you got to, before the worlds were framed, God already ordained that I would do what I'm doing. It's no surprise. As a matter of fact, most people can see in you what you can't see in yourself. Spiritual or unspiritual. Because what's happening is, is I'm already identified with who God made me be. I just haven't come forth yet. And when we know him, he makes us to become what he created us to be. It's so oftentimes that we are running from the very thing we were created to be because we have not yet trusted God for who we are. And when we run to him, he begins to birth in us who we really are. Is anybody with me this morning? He has made all things new. He has recreated, he has brought forth the newness of his life in us. I'm still, have the same, I'm still the same Marvin. Matter of fact, I'm more of the Marvin that I was created to be than I was then. Am I, am I losing you? There's something that we have to understand is that when, when God created us, when God cre- formed us in his heart and mind before we were formed, the DNA that's in us was already set in heaven. And the moment I understand, uh, understood that the DNA that God had set for me in heaven was just waiting to, be, to come forth by me saying yes. And when we give God our yes, then everything begins to unfold and begins to produce. Galatians 5 says this. But the fruit that produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. What God has formed in me and through the fruit of the Spirit and what he's created in me, there's no limits. I, look, I'm 55, and God's not done with me yet. I got a lot of work left to do, and I'm excited about tomorrow. 
Because God's still birthing this limitless goodness of God in me. We have been adopted into the family of God and we have been commanded to help others experience the joy of being reconciled with the Father and come home. We identify with the family of God. God has no color, no distinction of male or female, rich or poor. His family extends across land and sea and is governed by a loving Father who's full of love and compassion. We're, we're, we're in this heavenly realm that we haven't even yet understood completely. See, as a kid growing up, I thought one day we'd go to heaven. Now I understand that I live with heaven on earth. And I'm pulling down from heaven everything that God has for me. I'm pulling it down every day. I'm pulling down. Pulling it down. So I don't have to strive. It's not work. I don't have to work for my salvation. It's not work. I just bring a revelation. It's peace. It's joy. It's happiness. It's fulfillment. And I'm walking in the true identity of which God created me to be. Now, when I say I, I'm talking about you. I should say us. We're walking in that. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this. But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would not broadcast so that you would, sorry, not would not, so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the earth. You may not know this yet, Josh, but he's called you to broadcast his greatness throughout the earth. You're not here by accident. You're not here just just coincidentally, but he has called you to broadcast his goodness throughout the earth. So as we, and I said this last week, so as we carry the goodness of God in us and we carry the glory of God in us, we share it wherever we go just simply by showing up. That's who we are. We're joyful servants, trusted friends, and we are beloved children of the Lord. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm a joyful servant. I'm a trusted friend. And I'm a beloved child of God. I'm a joyful servant. I'm, I'm not having to do this. I get to do this. I'm a joyful servant. I am a trusted friend. I get to hear the very secrets of God. And more so than that, I'm a child, so I have royalty in me, and I can go to God's refrigerator and get anything I want. And John 1, but those who embrace him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. Authority. Authority to become the children of God. Authority to walk in greatness. My daughter was in California last week, and she called me, and she said, Dad, guess what? Actually, she figured this out before she went, actually. She said, Dad, guess what? There's $200 on your account. <laughs> at, the, at the store at J.H. Ranch. Can I use it? <laughs> sure, baby, you can use it. One of the first things she told me when she called 
the other day. She said, I spent all the money. <laughs> I mean, I didn't tell her it could stay in there until the next time we went because I wanted to give her full access to everything she needed. Come on, is anybody here this morning? God has given you complete access to everything that you need. He, all you got to do is just show your ID. <laughs> and it says, it says, Martha, Jesus, Father God, child of God. Cha-ching. And so why do we go around short of everything that God wants us to have when he's given us full access? Let me tell you why. Because we haven't understood who we are. We're still thinking we're that person that was used to be or that person that somebody said we was or that person that your spouse said you was or that person a friend said you was or that person that maybe your parents said you was growing up. And we believed all the lies of the enemy. And we're wading through all this in our head when we would just fully come to the understanding that I am a child of God and I have full access. So we're new creation. creation. We're not merely just sinners saved by grace, but we are saints who have been given his, his righteousness so that we can partner with our Father. You ever tell me, say, oh, there's such a saint. Oh, no, I'm not a saint. Next, tell me that. I'm going to start saying, oh, yeah, I'm a saint. Because we think saint means perfection. Saint really simply means child. I'm a part of. I, I'm not perfect, but I'm a part of. I am a child of God. I have authority. So we, we, we become this new creation when we're born again in Christ. And when we uh, resist sin, we're not fighting against our old nature. We're embracing our new nature. We have become sanctified in Christ. And we're not working from a, 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 a place of for victory, but we're working from a place of victory. Right. I want you to get that this morning. Because so oftentimes in our religious mindsets, we can think we're trying to overcome our old man and we struggle to fight to overcome the old man, the old nature. And so we're in this trying to do this within ourselves. I'm, I'm going to be a better person. Has anybody ever said that to yourself? I'm going to be a better person. Tomorrow, my better person is going to get up, and I'm going to go conquer the world. And you don't. Because you can't. Because you can't conquer the world in this flesh. And as long as you think, I'm going to do it, it's going to be a long day. But the day you get up and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, Holy Spirit, power of God, you can conquer anything in your life. Are you with me this morning? We're saying, no, I can't do it in my flesh, but with, my, with the Spirit of God and knowing who I am in Christ, there is nothing too big in this life because I am not working for victory. I'm working from a place of victory because it's already been done. Ephesians 2. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. 
Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into this glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. And we are now co-seated as one with Christ. We're co-seated as one with Christ. We're co-seated as one with Christ. Ryan, come here. Co-seated as one. Struggling to get through life. Struggling to get through everything. But then when we understand, I'm co-laboring with the one who can do all things. I'm sitting with him in heavenly places. I'm not an orphan or a beggar or a pleader or a a wannabe. (laughs) but I'm a child of the king. He's crowned me with royalty. He's given me the, the sepulcher. He's given me the power. He's given me the anointing. He's given me, And so anything that God has called me to do or anything that he's purposed for me to do or the identity of who I am created to be, I can do all of those things simply because Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm co-laboring with God. Now, that's a lot different than, hey, Ryan, you got saved, now go figure this out and do this on your own. I hope you work, work it out there. Okay, cool. And I'm not picking on Ryan, but when you're intellectual, like this guy here, your brain as big as his is, you start out thinking God. Uh, no, I'm serious. Hold up for a minute. Jesus said, I took the simple thing to confound the wise. This is not my notes, but this is going to be good. I took the simple thing to confound the wise. Quit trying to outthink God. Submit your intelligence that he gave you, by the way, to him. And quit tr- just simply just trust. Get out of work mode and go into trust mode. And <laughs> when things will be a lot easier. Don't outthink him. The most difficult people I have to deal with is smart people. (laughs) Smart people always want to say, well, this is what I think. You know, honestly, I'm being nice. It really doesn't matter what you think. We submit our members to him. (laughs) I'm not picking on Ryan Hill. He's very smart. We submit our members to him, and then God works through everything that he gave us to fulfill his purpose. There's nothing wrong with being smart, by the way. He made you smart. As long as you don't overthink it. Thank you, Ryan. We're seated with him in heavenly places. I'm co-laboring with God. Romans 8 tells us that we are no longer under the shame and condemnation because it has been lifted off of us by grace. Freedom and abundant life is available to us. We have been given authority and access to God, and the resources of heaven are at our fingertips. And 2 Corinthians 9 says, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with this grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment, in every way. He will make, your overflow with, make you overflow with abundance and every good thing. Overflowing, overflowing. And now we understand that we're citizens of another kingdom. And that we live from heaven to earth. And we have, uh, we're, we're not living from earth begging, but we're living from a heavenly place understanding 
and it's our new normal to hunger and thirst after his presence and his righteousness. We desire it. It's been, he reveals himself to us in everyday things, in everyday life. Not just the big things, but the simple things. Why don't you get up tomorrow morning and just ask God, what about my day today, God? Who, who should I encounter today? What can happen in my life good today? How, how should I pray today? How, what, where should I go to eat lunch today? Well, I just go eat lunch where I want, what I'm craving. What about if God wants you to go eat a bologna sandwich on the park because he's got somebody there for you to meet? There's a, there's a woman at a well, and he wants you to encounter her. That bologna sandwich would be the best bologna sandwich you ever ate in your life because there's something that happens supernaturally through you because you was obedient to God. What is it you have for me today, God? So powerful. Because we're living now as citizens of heaven. So we, ha- we have a renewed mind. We've established habits. And our heart is just pounding with the goodness of God and we've declared his truth over our lives every day this is who God says I am Romans 12 2 stop imitating the ideas and the pins in the culture around you but to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think this will empower you to discern God's will as you live this beautiful life satisfying and perfected in his eyes so we become royalty and we serve a great God and we follow his example. We serve others and we give, give our lives for his life for, because he gave his life. And we're servants. We're servants to the Lord. And we come not to be served, but we come to serve. Listen, I'm going to tell you there's something powerful when you start living your life to serve. There was a very attribute of Jesus. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And when you start living your life to serve, then the power of God will begin to flow through you in a way you've never experienced. If you live your life selfishly, you will never understand the goodness of God to its fullest measure. But if you live your life to give away your life, to give away everything he's given you to serve people, all of a sudden you open up the windows of heaven and that begins to open up like a faucet flowing through you of the goodness of God. So we live our life to serve that we might experience the same joyful identity Christ did when he lived. This is our response to grace. If you've been given a lot, you should give a lot. If you believe in grace, let it change you. And don't use it as an excuse to stay the way you are. Grace was given to you not so that you could go on sinning, but grace was given to you so that you could overcome every sin. Overcome. To live a life of the goodness of God. And when we've experienced such great love and power to overcome our past and we live in a glorious future, we no longer live under the law, but we live under this freedom to walk in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the supernatural, and have heavenly encounters with God and with man. Our focus is no longer on our sinful and shameful past, but now our eyes are set on things above. Our eyes are looking above. God has broken off the thoughts that, we, that made us powerless victims, and he has created us in a new life. And all those circumstances that had been in our past, now we overcome those, and we now identify and declare who God says I am. I am in Christ. I am victorious. I am an overcomer, and no matter the situation, 
He has made me powerful. Now, you're not powerful just because you breathe air. You're powerful because Christ in you. And when you embrace the Christ in you, it makes you even more powerful than you ever thought you were. In Ephesians 3, there's a prayer that was, that was written out, and I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you can come. Ephesians 3 says, So kneel humbly in all before the Father, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great multitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all his dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and exclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement and transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled and overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power consistently energizes you. I'd like for you to take this passage of Scripture in the Passion Translation, and let's just for the next week, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, I'd like you to pray that over your life. Why don't you take a minute, write that down somewhere. Put it in your phone, Passion Translation, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. And I want you to just do this for one week. I want you to get up every day, and I want you to pray that over your life. Change some of the wording up. Instead of saying, he will, just say, I receive what he has for me today. That he's going to transform my life. That he's going to change my life. And I'm declaring this over my life every day that I live. God's promises to me are yea and amen. And he's going to fulfill everything in my life that he determined for me before the world's refrain. That I'm not just walking through this life aimlessly, but I'm here on purpose. I want you to say that to yourself right now. I'm here on purpose. I'm here on purpose. I'm here on purpose. Probably a year ago, I preached this message. Listen, God put you here today on purpose. I'm not talking about in this room today. I'm talking about in this time and space, in this, this 2019. He put me here in this time and space, in this place, even in this region How many are in this room that would thought in a million years you would have never thought you lived in heaven, America? Come on. Come on. But you're here. Why has God put me here? Why, why am I living in this moment? Martha, how did I get to heaven, America? This wasn't in the 
playbook of my mind, but this must be something supernatural that God wants to do in my life. And so I'm going to get up tomorrow, and I'm going to embrace the reason God put me here. And I'm going I'm, I'm to say, God, thank you for this moment. Now, today, God, I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to walk in your goodness. I'm going to walk in your joy. I'm going to walk in your peace. My daughter made a statement last night. As we picked her up from the airport, we brought her home last night. And we were talking about the ranch, and it's an amazing place. But she says, you know, it really ain't the ranch. It has nothing to do with the ranch. What it really has to do with is getting in a place where all the distractions are gone. If I can say one thing to you today that I think could change your life completely, and it is a struggle, I will add, let's make sure that we discipline our life to get rid of distractions. Because if you want to live in the fullness and the grace that God's put on your life, and you want to respond to God the way that he wants you to respond, I can tell you, it has to be a time and place in your life every day that all the distractions go so you can hear him speak. Not that he's not speaking when the distractions are there. It's our inability to hear because of the distractions. When I was growing up in church, our pastors, you know, back in the day, TV was a sin. I preach against television. Strong. Strong. Don't put the TV, don't put that one-eyed devil in your house. That's what they call it, one-eyed devil. Put that one-eyed devil in your house. And I thought, that's so silly. That's so silly. Now, I don't think this phone is a sin. Mr. Monty, my good friend, said, well, you ought to think it's a sin. He said, because it's even got an apple with a bite on it. I ought to tell you something. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. Our life is distracted by so many things. And I said this last week, and maybe I'll say it throughout this series. God's not having an emergency. God's not having a crisis. And the reason we can't hear from God is because we're always in a crisis and we're always in an emergency and everything's running a thousand miles an hour. And he said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. You got to move the distractions from your life and get in that secret place with God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess to you today This is always a battle for us. It's a battle for me because you know what I do every morning? I put my little phone on the charger. I take it out and I put it in its little cradle. And I go to sleep. I turn it off. And I go to sleep. But the first thing I do in the morning is I pick up my phone. And I go to the restroom and I look. 
You know what happens then? Distractions. The calendar. The day's chores. The responsibilities. And if I'm not cautious, I will let this determine my day instead of him. so powerful just to spend time with him and walk in the fullness of who God created us to be am I helping anybody this morning I'm helping me this morning I'm preaching to me this morning so good I want this to be a culture that we create in our own lives not just as a church but a culture that we create because it's a, it's a kingdom culture How many wants to be a child of king? How many wants to live in a kingdom culture? Then we have to do our part to enter in and make sure that we're pulling on heaven and heaven's coming in our life every day. Can I get an amen? Bow your heads this morning.